Two Girls, One Podcast is made possible by you, the listeners. And if you love the internet as much as we love talking about it, consider supporting us on Patreon. A lot of work and time go into research, recording, editing, and distributing this show. Contributing even one or two dollars per month is huge in offsetting our production costs. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash 2G1P. We'll keep making the show no matter what. But your support allows us to make it even better. Thank you so much for listening. And, and enjoy, enjoy the, the show. show. We now return to Two Girls, One Podcast, produced by The Daily Nut, a comedy show that tackles such hilarious topics like fake news, automation, and ethical relativism. I know I'm laughing. And now here are your hosts, Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. guys i'm jen i'm Allie. hey Allie. <laughs> welcome to two girls one podcast welcome. where every week we find something on the internet and we contact the writer and we talk to the person it's a little formulaic Yay. but super fun did <laughs> you say formulaic why is it formulaic <laughs> we contact it's the same every week we're like we contact someone from the internet but it feels very different every week i'm just gonna say yeah i mean i almost think one of the problems is that it's too different because like people one week you tune in you get a fetish and the next week you get a data scientist and it's no, like totally. what's happening yeah and no. i think unless you have a fetish for data science which i do <laughs> I actually, I know that about you. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah. Intelligence is hot, man. It's hot. <laughs> so we are performers. Let's just throw this out there right away. We're going to put it all on the table. We have um, a show, a live show. It's called Blogologs. We take the internet and use it as our script. We perform it in front of you a live audience. You seem so disappointed, but I know why you did that. You're like, a live show. But it's because I you said get, the word we show. both get confused when it's like, this show versus the other show versus the other show. A show within a show within a show. But you sounded really sad. You were like, a live show. <laughs> I did get sad, actually. I started crying. You can, I don't know. No, you guys can't see. Anyway, um, we perform blogologs in front of a live audience. We take the internet, use it as our script. That led to us creating a web series where we uh, interviewed people from the internet, from these different communities we'd been performing about for all these years. And we also- It's called uh, we, Two Girls, One Show. That's right, girl. Get that in there. Plug it. Um, and then we went on these scripted adventures in the series, and that led to us eventually linking up with Mr. Matthew, our producer, uh, and making this podcast where we just do the interviews. Hey, guys. Two Girls, One Podcast. How's it going, Matt? It's going good. I got some lawnmowers on my end, but otherwise, uh, living, living life to the fullest. What? You got some lawnmowers? The, those burbs. Those burbs will do it to you. <laughs> I don't have a lawn to mow, so there's no <laughs> chance of mowers. I don't mow anything. That's not a verb in my life. Are, are these euphemisms, or are we talking about actual grass here? We're what talking we about, about real grass. <laughs> Wait, what would that be a euphemism for? Oh, Allison, uh, you know. I'll, I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. No, I want to hear you say it. I want to hear you say it. No, no, you're not. Um, you're not old enough. Um, no, I have no use for mowing in my life. Also, if we're gonna go there, I believe in laser hair removal. So, <laughs> it's the do best. You? Everybody should do laser hair removal. I don't know why people are waxing. It makes no sense. It costs so much money and it's painful. Or you can laser it and be done forever. My legs are like a fucking chihuahua. I'm not going to offer up what I do, but I just want to ask you, Allie, aren't you afraid of a laser? <laughs> I'm afraid of nothing, Jennifer. I, that's, I, yeah, that is true. But like, have you ever had that's a That's bad... a lie. We all know I'm afraid of alien Aliens. abduction. True. Sorry, I misspoke. Have you been burned by a laser ever? Oh, I've been burned before, but not by lasers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Anywho, what? Uh, what? What is today's show about, guys? Oh, I am so Bring... excited about today's show because I, this is a question that has plagued me for years. Plagued. Who is snoping Snopes? Oh. That's what we're looking at today. That's a good question. All right, let's take it back for people who don't know. There is a website called Snopes that fact checks all the rumors of the internet. And I've been going there for years to find out if something's true or false. You go to Snopes. But who is snoping Snopes? And today, we're going to talk to someone who works at Snopes. The word Snopes is really fun to say. I'm just going to say that. It's really fun. It's, it's really fun. fun. Do you know, Jen, the first time I used Snopes, actually, now I use it for like serious political scandals or whatnot, but the first time I ever used Snopes was... Yes. In Blogologs, we performed a post, a Craigslist post that went super viral yes. about a woman looking for a rich 
husband and didn't understand why she couldn't find one. It was called the Craigslist Gold Digger. That's what it became nicknamed. It went super viral. And this finance guy wrote back a very funny but um, you know intelligent response about her value and i'm ruining it but it was like no, it's, he wrote it buy in a very... and trade and he used like finance terms to explain why she's like not a good investment basically exactly so and what... so i went to snopes and what because, did snopes um, tell you because snopes investigates also like the source of a story and if something is rumored to be true or not and so snopes had the history of this gold digger craigslist post there so that's i think the first time i found out about slash used snopes which was like many years ago um but then since then they they, they fact check they fact check the internet the internet needs way more fact checkers well, and as you know if you listen to this podcast fact check me i am not a fact checker hey can you stop, can you stop yeah. talking for a second <laughs> nope did you know snopes has been around since 1994 94. Wow. wow. That's, That's a like long time. The dawn of the internet. Ellie, though, what did you find out with that gold digger story? Did, did was it was it true? Yeah, it was true, but I think they had investigated like um who potentially posted it and that it like was a traitor at like Morgan Stanley or something. You can probably still look it up, but it like went into the history of it. You know, now, now that I'm talking about it, it reminds me a little bit of our know your meme episode yes. where it's like, you know, who investigating the origin. Yes. Guys. Yes. I guy. gotta cut you off. Cause oh, guys, <laughs> guys, what's gals? up guy? What, what do you, what should I call you? Humans of the universe. Humans. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. We, guys. Uh, we're going to get to our guest momentarily, but I have some Snopes related trivia for you today. Are you ready? I'm ready to get Snopesy. Yes. Snopes, as you guys mentioned at the top of the show, is about debunking rumors, but also like urban legends, uh, things that people have taken as truth and uh, therefore spread around the internet as gospel. And then Snopes is like, nope, not the case. Uh, one such urban legend in the tech world is about the origin of the iconic logo for Apple computers. It's an apple with a bite taken out of it, yes? Confirmed. Yes. By Snopes Confirmed. and me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> for years, the tech world just took it as truth that it, this was based on a the legend sort of the legend of alan turing who is like uh, known as the father of computer science uh, he was doing theoretical computer engineering and stuff in the 40s the turing and 50s machine. the turing the turing test the turing machine uh he was cracking nazi codes using uh, computer programming during the war and he most likely committed suicide because he was gay and that was not necessarily okay legally in the uk in the 40s and 50s he probably committed suicide by lacing an apple with cyanide and then taking a bite of the apple he was found dead with an with an apple with a bite taken out of it uh in 54 i think what uh, Whoa. and so it's a very dramatic story uh, about a very important uh thinker and for a long time people thought that steve jobs was inspired by touring and therefore the logo was an homage to touring the, the apple with a bite however it is not. The designer of the logo himself said in much later interviews that that is not the case. There's a much simpler explanation for the Apple logo. What is that inspiration? We're not going to get some multiple choice super... here. <laughs> sorry. What? It, it, sorry. <laughs> I know. You know I never give you multiple choice. I know. And, I and it's it. a tragedy every time. Our scores would be so much better. Also, for our viewers, you know, when you go to the bar and you go to trivia, they give you choices. True. <laughs> so we're not that bad at trivia. We just are given no parameters whatsoever. <laughs> I was going to say that that whole story sounds very Jesus. You know what I mean? Like uh. the way he died is how they would commemorate him. Like I always thought about it. Like if I was Jesus and I like came back sometime soon, I'd be like, why are there crosses everywhere? I'm having PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> I think it makes the same no thing. sense. So it's this also, guy, he eats an apple, and then every—that's how you pay. I would rather have someone pay respects to like something cool I did in my life, not the way I died. Agreed. It also bothered me, especially now that I'm a parent. Of like, the, the crosses are crosses, and that's religious symbolism. But like, there are churches with literal like effigies of dead bodies yes, hanging off the wall, and I'm like, creepy. I don't, don't want to bring my children around here. It's terrifying. I agree. I, I don't it, think you need to bring them. I, <laughs> I, I think it's good. No plans to. I think it's good for kids. 
<laughs> you should get controversy. You should get comfortable with that. They, yeah, we're so afraid of death. Oh, wait, Sex is everywhere. Death. We don't talk about. Well, that, that's not true. There's violence everywhere too. Anyway, yeah. I think I loved a good corpse as a kid. <laughs> Did you? I used to draw crosses. I was a weirdo. Whoa. <laughs> Anyhow. Huh. <laughs> All right. So were they in your diary? Yeah. Jen has a great diary were. that she needs to do dramatic readings of on this podcast soon. <laughs> they were in my twenty journals. <laughs> It's so good. Um, okay, so the real way that Apple got its logo? Yeah, it's uh, there's a meaning behind the bite in the in the Apple. Uh, and Is it bite? B-Y-T-E? Ooh, <laughs> okay. Allie, that's good. Now you're thinking, now you're thinking. I don't think that's right, but. <laughs> well, you knew me. I'll never tell, I'll never give you clues if you're right or wrong. And go with your gut. If we learned anything from last week, you got to go with I your gut. I know, I was so upset last week. I think it has something to do with the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. feels right. Huh. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. The first bite of the apple, the first taste of whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's so much apple symbolism in the world because there's also, um, is it Snow White where she gives her the poison apple? Ooh, that's a good one too. All right, we got two solid guesses on the table here. Are you guys going to stick with them? You're gonna, or are you going to second guess? Here's another one. Uh, yes. I feel like apple pie is the sim- symbolism for America. Maybe it's like taking a America. bite out of America. <laughs> Hashtag America. I'm gonna go with America. American is apple pie. That's Jen's guess. Allie, what, what are you what are you thinking? I'm gonna say not Garden of Eden because I'd be surprised if there were religious symbolism behind it, yeah. but maybe there is. It is the fruit of knowledge uh, in in the Garden of Eden. So taking a bite of the fruit of knowledge then gave Adam and or Eve. Uh, knowledge of the world and that kind of connects to computer technology in my mind that's uh so you're trying to steer me in that direction I, i'm just saying it's it, it it the logic holds up is what i'm saying but the apple's also sort of a sign of evil a lot because like the serpent gives the apple the apple's poisoned in snow white i feel like there's an and then the apple gets fucked in um, american pie why do students give their teachers apples because it's the fruit of knowledge I, and they want them to they want them they want to them fall to asleep and need yeah and have seven dwarves watch over them till true love's kiss i don't know seven dwarves um okay i'll go with my original byte <laughs> which i don't think is right but i'm gonna stick with it stick for to now. your guns girl all right we're gonna find out the right answer after the break Marketplace for secondhand orthodontics, Craigslist.org. My grandma's teeth. $200? For sale are my late grandmother's teeth. Um, they are in descent condition. I'm kind of sentimentally attached. Email if you're interested or just want more info. I gotta scrounge up some $200 for those teeth. Girls trying to make a buck and I like it. I like it too. I wonder if like um, she didn't get enough money from the tooth fairy, so she's just trying to go like a different direction. <laughs> it's very entrepreneurial and I entrepreneurial. respect it. Yeah, she hasn't even graduated from like elementary school. She's gonna drop out and like have a teeth business. I like it. Yeah, totally, cool. totally. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of teeth, and speaking of biting, oh, we, we weren't actually oh. speaking of biting, but I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull that thread into trivia. I saw no, that. No, no, it worked. That. It worked. It took me a you minute, got, okay, but it's okay, like okay. very solid. Yeah, got it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Today's trivia is about the iconic Apple Computers logo. Uh, from the very beginning of Apple Computers all the way to the iPhone that's in your hand right now, it has always been an apple, of course, but with that bite taken out of it. And for a long time, the urban legend was that it was an homage to Alan Turing, father of uh, computer programming, uh, who probably killed himself by taking a bite out of a cyanide apple. That is a myth because the actual designer of the logo said, what? What is the meaning of the bite in the Apple logo? Jen, you said... It's as American as apple pie and you might want to have sex with it. <laughs> I don't Got know it. that. That's what I think Got I it. said. Okay, cool. <laughs> and Allie, you did you did you go with Snow White or did, or or Tree of Knowledge? What, I forgot what your answer was. Those would probably be better choices, but I decided to go with my instinct in order to learn from last week. But this week, it probably won't be right. The computer. So it's the computer bite. bite bits and bytes. Bits and bytes. Yep. The correct answer is that they included the bite because when the apple's very small, it just looks like a cherry. 
Oh. That is so stupid. <laughs> no, but why did they make it an apple? Well, the apple is the, is the name of the company. I'm saying the logo, they, they made the apple and they said, well, you know, when this gets on a little computer or something, it's just going to look like a cherry. So they put the bite in for scale. It actually uh, creates we, the we scale. We were so focused on the apple. Yeah, I'm going to say that maybe you didn't phrase the question. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I think the question should have been, why, why is there a bite in the apple? But we were talking about why is there an apple? Okay, I, but that's cool. Because it's Apple computers. Yeah, I know, okay. but, the name but of the company. still, oh, Matt. but still, we were like, why did they, we were focused on why did they choose the actual apple? You misled which, us. Uh, yeah, but we might, we might be idiots. We You're might saying, be idiots. So, no, I got to so. listen back. I, I'm pretty sure you said <laughs> something about this being about the apple. I don't know. Is, uh, so you're saying I purposely misled you for nefarious reasons with yes, uh, some sort of yes. propaganda and I need to be fact-checked and snoped. Yes! Well, then my Indeed. plan was perfect all the time because today's guest is, is an editor from Snopes. Whoo. Boom! We are thrilled to have on the line with us right now, Brooke Binkowski, the managing editor of Snopes. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you so much. Good to be here. How are you? I am fantastic. So I'm sitting here in my pajamas with a cup of coffee in my hand. Isn't podcasting great? Like yeah. nobody can see you. Yeah. It's lovely. So actually I'm wearing a very glamorous outfit and my hair is completely brushed. Are you? <laughs> I'm naked. Are you? I'm wearing, I'm wearing a caftan, guys. I think that's kind of like pajamas, right? <laughs> that is awesome is what that is. <laughs> So we'd love to uh, just start for, especially for our listeners who don't even know what Snopes is. Can you take it back and tell us a little bit about what it is, how it got started, and when you joined? That was a three-parter. I'm sorry. Uh, sure. Okay. Refresh my memory if I start to falter. Okay. So I'll answer your last question first. I've been with Snopes since 2015, and I was hired to sort of help out leading up to the 2016 elections because um, we all knew that it was going to be ugly because we've all lived through 20, 2008 and 2012. It, we didn't know how ugly it was going to be. Uh, we didn't know at that point about the disinformation. We didn't know at that point about Russia. We didn't know about Macedonia, like none of this stuff. So uh, I was, you know, in for a real treat, which I didn't realize. But the weird thing is I've had this lasting um, in interest in disinformation, especially Kremlin disinformation and how it relates to consumerism and, and peacetime propaganda, like all of this stuff for, for many years. So I was kind of equipped for it. Um, I wasn't as taken by surprise as some people were, um, but it was still, you know, uh, quite a shock. <laughs> so um, for those of you who don't know what Snopes is, we're a fact-checking website. It started, I think, 24 years ago now. Um, it was started by David Mickelson and his wife, Barbara Mickelson. And what they wanted to do was sort of anthropologically get at the origins of urban folklore, like these stories that people tell each other about, you know, the, the, the murderer who, uh, you know, was, was, had escaped from a local insane asylum. And there's this boy and girl, these teenagers, and they're at the end of Lover's Lane, and they're listening to this news report on the radio, and the, the girl keeps hearing these scratching noises on the car, and, you know, that kind of thing, and it turns out that the guy has a hook for a hand, and he goes and, to open the door, and the hook is dangling off the door. I don't know. Oh, that was so specific. I know, it's suspenseful. <laughs> that one is creeped that... me out real bad as a kid. That's why I go back to it. <laughs> And those are the those are the ones that Snopes initially was investigating. These sort of like uh, what are they called? Old wives' tales? No, urban it's legends? like the yeah. urban legends. There you go, urban, urban legends. legends. That's the term. So I'm sorry, you're telling me hook hand guys not not real? I'm so sorry, but no. Uh, Captain Hook is real. Uh, Never Neverland. <laughs> Bat Boy. Bat Boy is definitely real, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It wasn't okay, a okay. cave by me. No. Um, I, you know what's funny? I actually used to work with somebody at an old job. Um, it, it was a straight-ahead journalism job. Very, very serious. But there was a guy there who had actually worked on the side writing for... Um, for uh, Weekly World News. Oh, and gosh. I said immediately, I mean, I was so excited. I'm like, bad boy? He said, everybody asks me if I'm the one who did that boy. No, it wasn't me. I said, okay, well, where do you get these, you know, these ideas? He's like, oh, we just make them up. They're, they're all frustrated or aspiring novelists. Oh, so that was man. that. 
<laughs> I really want to break into Bat Boy the Musical right now, but I don't actually remember any of the songs. Oh. <laughs> I think we're get, we're going to get into this. I don't mean to jump too far ahead, but this calls to mind immediately. How do we get from a, addressing urban legend to mm-hmm. more real news stories or what seem, could potentially be a real world news stories that could affect people's everyday lives? Yeah, what was that transition? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it started um, in 2001 after 9-11. Um, David and Barbara were, you know, compiling these urban legends and this urban folklore and all of a sudden all these stories popped up about you know evil muslims doing evil things but they bore a very specific resemblance to stories that had been going around for many years not necessarily about muslims they were just being reappropriated for you know whoever was being picked on at the time and so all these these muslim people are supposedly you know in in corner stores cheering as they watch the towers fall or there's parties in the streets and so on and they decided to apply what they had already learned to these these new urban legends that have been going around, this disinformation and propaganda that was just starting. And there was never any need to stop. It just became more and more immediate and more important to sort of attack these, these false stories. And what they are is whatever they may have started out being in 2001, what they have morphed into is just straight up, you know, propaganda and disinformation. And so the more we do, the more we see a need for it. Yeah, it's really depressing how relevant you guys have become. We need more Snopes. I mean, how big is your team? How how can you keep up? (laughs) So whenever anybody asks me this, I feel like this little twitch forming in my eye. I'm like, oh, God, we have so much to do. We don't have anybody. There are eight (laughs) full-time writers. You're like, I have to leave now. This has been nice. (laughs) I'm keeping an eye on my my Slack conversations, actually, just to make sure that there's no major emergency going down. But yeah, there's eight writers. There is. There's a major emergency right now, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) There's seven of them. Always. So eight, eight, you need a bigger staff. Yeah, but, you know, the budget's not there. I I know. How how is Snopes funded? Um, We're pure advertising, and uh, we get donations now, which I was originally slightly embarrassed about, but now I'm happy to say we get donations because the response (laughs) has been so good. Well, hey, listeners, you can go donate to Snopes and keep the truth alive. That's right. (laughs) Brooke, you mentioned that you've always had an interest in disinformation and how it affects consumers and things like that. So can you just tell us a little bit of your background? Oh, sure. Uh, So um, I've been a journalist for a long time. I uh, was a reporter I was a street and crime reporter. I worked in Los Angeles. Then um, I worked in, oh God, I started in Alaska, uh, which was fantastic, by the way. It was the most bizarre and wonderful place to learn how to be a reporter. So I was, um, you know, covering a lot of like people hitting moose on the uh, Diamond Highway, for example. <laughs> uh, you know, lots of stories about like um, climate change and um, northern lights and things like that. So it was a great place to learn. I got to meet all kinds of bizarre people. I got to go to Guam for some reason that I don't remember. Uh, you know, Wait, you don't remember great. why you went to Guam? Yeah, I think it was uh, it was a long time ago. It was I think it was 9-11 related. Yeah, it was um, soldiers from Alaska. <laughs> Like, no, in Guam. no big deal. I, <laughs> just, I woke up in Guam. It was a crazy night. I drank a lot back then. I don't know. Um, and then how did you end up at Snopes? Oh, I started as a board op in radio in San Diego years and years ago. And which a board op, if you don't know, is like somebody who pushes the buttons. It's a, I wanted to be a reporter, though. I got really hooked because they sent me out to do a story because they were so short-staffed at this radio station. And I just fell in love. And that was all I wanted to do. So I finally realized I wasn't going to get a job at this station. So I went up to Alaska. And on my very last day, one of the guys came up to me, one of the on-air reporters who I'd listened to almost my entire life came up to me and went, you're going to fail out there. You know, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. You're going to torpedo your career. You're going to totally screw it up. He's like, fuck that bro. (laughs) Well, he actually kind of did me a favor. I went to Alaska. I lived through my first seven month long winter. I sat through it. I had no friends. I had this terrible relationship that ended horribly. And I thought about coming back. And then I thought about that goddamn guy. And I thought there is no way I'm going to go back to San Diego, beg for my old job back. The only reason I'm going to leave Alaska is to get a job at a network. And that's what I did. I somehow talked myself into getting a job at CNN. So I left uh, Anchorage, Alaska for Atlanta and got a job at CNN when I was 25. Wait, so, so his tough love worked. Yeah, fueled by revenge towards this man. Yeah, despite... <laughs> Spite and revenge. My entire career has been spite and revenge. Powerful. I dropped out of high school. All my teachers told me I'd fail. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to get a degree at UC San Diego. That's what I did. So so then how did you end up at Snopes? 
Oh, okay. So, um, so I worked for, for CNN for a while. Um, then I went back to San Diego because my mom actually got sick and I wanted to be with her because we, we didn't know if she was going to be okay. Uh, it turns out she, she is okay. So that's the spoiler. And then I got a job in Los Angeles because I'd already worked for CNN at that point. So it's, it's much easier once you've worked for a network to get a job at another network. So I was working for CBS and KNX in LA. I was doing street and crime reporting. I loved that job. Then management changed and I was like, Oh, I'm out. So I went over to, um, uh, uh NPR. So, I was working for public radio and so on. Then I just, I got this bright idea to try to unionize this station I worked for in LA, this public radio station, and promptly got myself fired. Uh, they did unionize later though, so there was that. Nice. <laughs> and then I went back to college, uh, got my degree, um, and started freelancing. And this all sounds a lot easier than it was. It was terrible. I had no money. You know, I, I was living on student loans and um, whatever I could glean from from freelancing, which I did for four years. It was Wait, actually after okay. all that, you went back to college. Yeah, this doesn't sound yes. easy. <laughs> no, it was terrible. It was no, awful. So I'd be like, "Fuck college!" At that point, you know. Well, I always have felt that very strongly that education is powerful and important, and I. I would champion it for other people. I just never thought that I could do it. And my boyfriend manipulated me into going back to college by leaving a... What an asshole. Ah, totally. He kept nagging me to go back. And I was like, no, I'm not a college person. I'm not an academic. And then one day I found this college catalog on the floor of our living room. And I picked it up and started leafing through it and got so excited that I decided to go back to college. And I called him all excited. Like, I signed up for college classes. This is great. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. It was a local community college. And he goes... Oh my God, I've left that goddamn college catalog on the floor for a week now, waiting for you to pick it up. Do you realize what a slob you are? <laughs> that leaflet must have been some powerful propaganda. <laughs> right, no kidding, right? Yeah. Um, so, okay, I love this, yeah. but then we gotta we gotta skip ahead. Oh, sorry. So, yes. so how'd you get it? How'd you it's get not, to Snopes? Sorry. So I was freelancing, border stuff. There's a lot. Sorry. It's what happens when you're old. You <laughs> it's ramble. okay. And um, I was working on the border, misinformation there, disinfo there. And then one day I was like, you know what? This is not sustainable. I've got student loans that I still need to pay off that I've been living off of for a billion years. I've got to do something about this. So I started looking for work and I could not find a job. Like nobody wanted to hire me. They At first they did. And then they would realize like I was older than I looked and more experienced. And all of a sudden they'd be like, I could see the wheels going, oh, we can't afford this broad. And so uh, then I saw the Snopes ad and I... I got so excited. I wrote them this like over the top email going, Oh my God, I love Snopes so much. This is well within my wheelhouse. I want to do this and this and this. And here's my resume. And they called me the next day and, um, you know, I got hired and I'm so happy I did because, uh, I really like telling people they're wrong on the internet. So it works out really well. And, um, also I like to research and stuff. <laughs> so that's how I ended up getting the job. So what is the process, uh, in Snopes in, in figuring out if it's real or yeah, not? Let's get into it. How do you fact check? So it's, it's difficult to describe because what we do is, um, so different for, for any story. So some of them are very easy and straight ahead. Like there's a, a, you know, a slightly hidden disclaimer saying everything on this page is satire. And those are the easy ones that we can just, you know, pick off quite easily. But people won't read that far. So they start passing it around on social media. And then there's a full, oh my like, god. Yep everybody's grandma and then, or grandpa. And then there's like a full blown moral panic going on or social panic or, you know, something. And um, a lot of it has been abetted, of course, by, uh, you know, forces that would like to obscure the actual news. I'll put it that way, um, especially in the last couple of years. And um, so those those are the easy ones. There's the, the trickier ones. I've, I've hired a team of um, really good reporters. I mean, I think they are. <laughs> I mean, they're they're world class, in my opinion. They are all just like these diggers. You know, they love doing academic research. They love doing uh, reportorial research and journalistic research. And we all kind of are, you know, in it together. So it, depending on the story, like, for example, yesterday, I spent the day in court digging out court documents because of a story that we're working on. Um, I sent somebody to the Library of Congress the other day because he lives in D.C. and I knew that he could, you know, pull files. Um, I do. I send people to do interviews. We'll do phone interviews, in-person interviews, although there hasn't been that much time. Just, you know, a lot of in-depth investigative journalism. And um, it's sort of boring when people figure that out. They think there's this magic bullet um, or that, you know, we're oh, CIA. Oh, I think that's so exciting, like old school legit journalism where you yeah. actually go and pull files and talk to people. Who knew? <laughs> I, isn't it amazing? It, it's amazing how well it works, too. And I hope that, you know, other news organizations know that that's what works and they do it. It's It's been really disheartening uh, because 
with in all my research with disinformation flooding and propaganda flooding and lies and bullshit and fake news and everything, um, the one thing that inoculates a public against it is having a vibrant and independent journalism uh, industry. And the fact that journalism has been pared down for the past at least 20 years from what it once was shows me that there are people who are in power who benefit from not being covered. And I think all the disinfo we're seeing is not just, you know, trolls doing it for the lulls, but people who are in a position where they want to obfuscate what they're doing. So yeah, I would like to take this opportunity to say, donate to your favorite news organization, you know, click on the ads. Sorry, I hate to say it that way, but a lot of news organizations are advertising driven. And, you know, just don't be a cynic. Like, trust that if, if a news organization makes corrections that are transparent in a timely manner, then they are trustworthy and have integrity. If they don't do that, then, you know, find someplace else to read or listen to or watch. Sorry, I'm busy crying. <laughs> I know. Sorry, um, I know. It's, it's so, dreadful. So, I mean, I think the answer is probably obvious, but, like, y- you do feel that there has been a significant change in journalism and media over the past 20 years. Oh, oh God, yes, absolutely. Um, a lot of it started, at least in broadcast in, uh, in the 90s, where, you know, you didn't have to hew to a certain, uh, balance of viewpoints. So now we get, we get this, like, fake balance where you get, like, 99 climate scientists saying, yep, climate's changing. And then you have one kook in the corner going, actually, hurricanes are good for the environment. You know, it adds water or whatever. And, um, <laughs> that's sort of become this, like, grotesque, twisted version of actual balance. So there's that, but there's also this idea that um, news is supposed to not be a public service, but it's supposed to be, you know, a profit generator, which it is, unfortunately, but it needs to be seen first and foremost as a public service to democracy. So I know you mentioned some ways that the public can help, like clicking on ads, but what are other things that you think need to be put in place in order to restore journalism? Um, unfortunately, it's kind of weak sauce. Letters to the editor, you know, if there are editors, uh, hold like public petitions, um, donate to your favorite public radio station, uh, buy subscriptions to the Wall Street Journal. Make sure that you you tell reporters that you have conversations with reporters on social media, um, the ones who will talk to you, because that's a good way. You know, reporters should be part of the communities that they're covering, and that's a good way to hold them accountable, to tell them what stories that you think should be covered, and so on and so forth. Uh, journalism should be a conversation, and, and it should be treated as such. But in a way, isn't that kind of the problem in the sense that people nowadays want to read what they already believe, and so we're becoming more and more polarized? No, I, I really don't think that that's the case. I think that... Um, okay, good, great. <laughs> okay, conversation's over. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I think that there are a lot of very loud people on the margins who don't want to read things they don't want to believe. And then um, because of the way social media works, those voices get amplified. It's ah, always mm-hmm. easier to pick off the people who are screaming the loudest, you know? Um, it's always easiest to, to grab a, a quote from, from somebody going, you know, I mean, they're just screaming. Actually, that's a really hard quote to grab, I gotta say. Like, how would you spell that? You know what I mean? (laughs) A lot of A's. Yeah. (laughs) So, what are some of the most um, interesting responses you've had to that Snopes has had to a piece? And by that, I mean, like, you got a lot of hate mail, or people were like, wow, thank you so much, or any sort of um, pieces that have really stood out in some way. Okay, there was a horrible piece that I did not edit, thank God. I for, I don't know where I was, but I saw the aftermath. It was a story that I was convinced was false, and then I left for a while, and then I came back and found it was true. It was this guy who was a sushi fanatic, and he had this, like, crazy tapeworm that he pulled out of himself and wrapped around a toilet paper roll, and then he gave it to his doctor. He's like, I think the sushi gave me this tapeworm. And I, it was there was a picture of the tapeworm wrapped around the, the empty toilet paper roll. And I'm like, there is no way somebody is trolling us. And it turned out that it was all true. I think it was pork that did it though. Thank God, because I love sushi. What? It's horrifying. I know. <laughs> How did he, wait, he removed it from himself. He pulled it out of his own butt. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was my response too. Yeah. You had to research that. Oh my God. Are, are you sorry you asked? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry no, that you had to look into that. And I'm sorry, I'm going to look know. into it later. So had he told his doctor, like, I think I have a tape room, and the doctor was like, no, you don't. And then he pulled out of his asshole and was like, yeah, do, bitch. Oh, my God. I, I wasn't able to get that far into the story because I was too horrified. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm just pulling it up again. Ah! No. Okay. Um, 
It was a man I'm in taking Fresno. that quote. I'm taking that quote. A, 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 A. Here's a quote from our story, which again, I did not edit this. Thank God. I Now I'm horrified, but we decided to check the story out for ourselves by contacting the person named as the attending physician, Dr. Kenny Bond. It's all true, Dr. Bond told us, right down to the toilet paper roll. I have seen and treated intestinal worms and parasites before, but never had a patient bring in a giant tapeworm, he said. I will be Googling that later I'm, and I'm crying. I've got to close this right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't eat sushi for several months after that. I was too horrified, but I, you know, I'm back to it. So uh, we're back on that boat. Okay, great. <laughs> Sushi boat. That's the one that always sticks out. But as far as like generated hate mail, we get death threats pretty much daily. So I, there's, it's hard to tell which one is, you know, bringing it on. Basically, people will email us all the time. They're like, I'm going to line you up against the wall, blow your brains out. It's like, okay, well, you haven't yet. So keep trying. It is so weird to me that someone thinks to type out that email and then hit send. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's just so many steps there that make no sense to me. Yes, I completely agree. Oh, wait, you know what? I have a great idea. What's that? Okay, so Facebook, one of their measures to combat fake news is to have a little button that says about this article and you can click to see more about the publisher and see more articles from the publisher, which I think is the fucking dumbest thing I've ever heard because basically someone goes to Breitbart and there's a little button that says about this article and they see more about Breitbart and more articles. Like, I don't understand how that stops fake news. There should be a Snopes button. Ooh. And then also... You guys can have a partnership with Facebook and make a lot of money. There needs to be a Snopes button on every article. Actually, we were already partnered with Facebook. Um, we're supposed to be fact checkers for them. We're part of this whole like thing where they've hired, I don't know, 25 fact checking teams all over the world to... Uh... Oh my God, great! Yeah, when but it doesn't seem happen? to be helping. Oh, like a year and a half ago. But oh, here's shit. the thing. I know. The thing is, they've been doing it in such a way that it's, it's very, like... Um, obscure how they're doing it they're working on transparency but i cannot for the life of me figure out what the mechanisms are that go between us marking a story false and the story not being around because i mean we've marked stories false before where and they just keep appearing on facebook so i don't know uh, all I these know. conversations are depressing <laughs> lately I jennifer agree. i thought we had a comedy podcast i'm sorry i can be funny i can be funny <laughs> I, I was gonna ask um how how can we spot, do you have some tips for us spotting fake news? Just every, everyday things we should be on the lookout for. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Anything that comes from a site called like, you know, Patriot Eagle, Uncle Sam, like the thing that I like to tell people the most is if you're reading something, if you're reading a news piece and you have a very strong wave of emotion, like a primal wave of emotion, whether it's fear or schadenfreude or, or even joy or, you know, anything, mostly fear, rage and schadenfreude though, then check your sources because that's how they get you. You know, they, they sort of, I hate the term hack your brain, but they do bypass, these fake news writers bypass this sort of logical sentence of your brain by adding emotion to it. And that's how good propaganda does it. That's how it works. I mean, that's propaganda 101. It's very frustrating to me to see that these same exact things that we've been talking about our entire lives are useful again and being used to great success. If you see some like headline like uh, so-and-so absolutely destroys somebody else, then, um, you know, I wouldn't share it. I think it's probably bullshit or at least blown out of proportion anything that seems really outlandish just check your sources just google it see how it's being reported by you know the major networks because they still have people to check it's time consuming but it's not as time consuming as say destroying democracy and then having to rebuild it from the ground up <laughs> no oh, <that's> <laughs> so what are some other things that snopes is trying to do in this political climate? Well, I try to um, call out lies and disinformation wherever I see it on social media. And um, sometimes I get myself in trouble doing that, but I still do it. And that seems to actually help. So I don't think that everything is Russia's fault, but I do think that the Kremlin and Putin's administration are very good at disinformation. They know how it works, they know how to use it, and they've been studying how to use it on us for a long time. And what I've seen um, is that around 8 or 9 a.m., you know, Moscow or St. Petersburg time, a lot of strange smears start to appear. Um, 
So, for example, a couple weeks ago, right after the Michelle Wolf thing, at 11 o'clock p.m. my time, all of a sudden this story appeared that Michelle Wolf fucked a dog, which was not true. It was like a very what? bad. Yeah, stuff like that. And Wait, I mean, Michelle I don't know. Wolf, the comedian? Uh huh. Yeah, they were trying to spread that, that she once was um, uh, convicted of bestiality. And it was a very poor fake. It was very low rent and very um, poorly done, but it was starting to catch on. So I mocked everybody. I was like, oh, really? Like, come on, you morons, you absolute idiots. How can you believe this is true? And the date was wrong. Like, it was all very stupid. But those are the things that catch on late at night, you know? So I mocked them, and then all of a sudden they disappeared. Uh, It came back you know, long enough for us to have to debunk it. But that kind of thing, like I'll, I'll just go after people who I see starting these things. A lot of it comes out of the uh, so-called QAnon conspiracy on 4chan and Reddit. And it's abetted by, um, you know, very credulous idiots who then go spread it around. They're like, oh my God, this must be true because this person has a Q clearance. And they're telling us because, you know, when somebody says there's something on the internet, it's always true. Have you, do you know that conspiracy, no. by the way, QAnon? No, what is this? Oh my God, it's, it's insane. Um, basically, some person or group of people have appeared on 4chan and Reddit claiming to have a very high-level government clearance called a Q clearance and to thus be privy to all kinds of highly classified information, which, of course, they're, they're only going to tell people on 4chan and Reddit. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so they, <laughs> so they, have, they say all this crazy shit like, follow the yellow brick road. Like, like very vague stuff. And then people are like, what does that mean? So then they're like, oh, it must mean the Wizard of Oz. Well, who's the wizard? And, and they just sort of pile like and cherry pick whatever they can. It's very similar to Pizzagate, which, as you know, culminated in some oh, yeah. dum-dum going and shooting it up. Yeah, it's like that. So in this alternate universe, Trump is the good guy. Uh, Obama and Clinton are both secretly wearing ankle monitors because they've already been arrested by Mueller. Um, and Trump is going to show everybody in cooperation with Mueller that uh, it was actually Hillary Clinton's fault and Barack Obama's fault. And in the meantime, they're adding in all this other stuff. And, and of course, the story changes, by the way. It may have mutated beyond that by now. I, I actually haven't been paying too much attention. are there pieces on Snopes that are debunking these stories? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I think we have a QAnon tag. I think we haven't done like a start I literally to don't know how Snopes keeps up with only eight staff members. Me neither. We don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually, I've actually started having to send people home. I, or not home because we all are sort of you know remote but I've, I've had to tell him to log I'm like go you know it's it's 7.30 I don't want to edit at 7.30 I've got things to do I want to go have a beer and and like read a bad novel I don't want to edit this depressing ass story that you're about to give me so go home or wherever go to bed like go hang out with your partner and and do what I'm doing like you know, smoke some weed or something and just come back with a fresh brain because otherwise everybody's going to burn out. Your passion and drive is so obvious. And I mean, I'm just curious, like, why, why does this matter to you so much? Why does the truth matter? <laughs> well, you know, I, th- that's such a good question. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, I ask myself this too. Why do I care? And I, I've just always been this way. I, I, I don't know. Um, but I do know that I have certain aspects of my personality that are, um, quite unpleasant (laughs) and i mean i'm just kind of a a confrontational asshole who likes telling people they're wrong i might as well do this for you know the benefit of democracy (laughs) i just was born this way i don't know why i am the way i am but i i care and there it is yeah um a lot of it though is i i've also i worked in mexico for a long time and on the border and um i worked there for on and off for for several years and i did a lot of really 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 terrible stories and some some very like sort of um inspiring ones as well but i i realized that in mexico because of the pre which is the ruling uh, government party people don't expect the truth they expect disinformation and propaganda they expect bullshit and lies they don't trust their government they don't trust um a lot of them don't trust each other and that's just kind of how it is and I've seen the effects that that has on people and on societies. And I don't want us to have to go through that as Americans. I, I would like, I don't want anybody to have to go through it. I mean, you know, I've, it's, it's a terrible way to live. It's a very, as now everybody can experience when you don't know what to believe, it's a terrible feeling. It's like being in societal freefall. So I want that to, to, to stop. Okay. Do you know anything about this? Cause I'm about to state a rumor. 
Um, apparently, okay. there's a country in Europe that used to have a big false, you know, fake news problem. And then they began teaching digital literacy to the youth. And apparently they have made great strides in eradicating this problem. Is this just a rumor that I heard or is this an actual? Is there a case study out there that we could pull from? That sounds like something that would happen in one of the Scandinavian countries yeah. because they're so wired yeah. in anyway. Yeah, I want to say it was a Scandinavian country. They, it sounds like something there would be a case study about. Can you Snopes that for me? <laughs> yes, I can. Hang on a second. Um, while I'm doing that, though... Um, there are a number of um, academic papers and white papers out there that talk about just this, about the importance of teaching digital literacy and the importance of, well, of having, a, you know, a good news um, economy or a good journalism industry um, and about having these, you know, sort of transparent government operations where everything is all out there and publicly accessible in, in attempts which are successful to combat this this disinformation. Unfortunately, our current administration doesn't seem too inclined to do anything about it. So, you know, we're kind of stuck right now. But hang on a second. European country. You're Googling it right now. Hang on. How Europe fights fake news. Not well. Um, <laughs> well, get back to us. I, you know, I will get back to you. The thing is, we're going to see everything change at the end of this month because there's going to be these new um, European guidelines in effect for social media and digital privacy. So I think that that's going to end up being quite a good case study. Man, I'm such a downer. This is why I don't get invited to parties anymore, because I get a couple drinks in me, and all I talk about is, like, the world it's, it's is disinformation. Ending. I don't think it's ending. I think that this is clearing a space for really good things to happen if people take that opportunity. Right now, it's horribly destructive, but after this is all over and done with after all of this fake news, after all of this disinformation propaganda, like all of this, you know, uh, these crises are, are finally assessed for what they truly are. There is an opportunity here to make sure that that never, ever happens again. Whether we take it, whether Americans take it or whether the global community takes it is another story. But there is tremendous opportunity here. Well, well on, on that, that note. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this has been lovely. And please. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. Please keep sm keep snoping. Keep snoping away. Snoping. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite things to do, like I said, is tell people they're wrong on the internet and I will never stop. <laughs> Good luck with awesome. that. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye. All right. Well, she gave y'all a lot of things to go do. So uh, get on that. And we'll yeah, see you uh, we later. We got to bring this back up. What are we going to do? Uh, Jen, do you, do you have any good jokes you could tell us? <laughs> oh, man. As the media, as me the media and journalism are dying, if we could just uh, I, bring some levity, that'd be great. You know what's really sad? <laughs> when people ask me to tell a good joke, I have this one joke in my head that is literally the worst joke I've ever heard. It's not a good joke. Whenever people ask me for a joke, I cannot remember a joke. Me neither. But this was like one time somebody was like, you should always have a joke on hand, kid. Like, remember this one. <laughs> but this one's... Were you a kid? I Were was you a kid. kid when they said this that? This one is or? totally sexist. Okay. It's sexist. Here we go. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> Who's the girl who you take out in the spring and summer, but you can't take out in the fall and winter? Oh, God. Also, it's kind of... It's It's offensive in many ways. Patty O'Furniture. Oh, guys! <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst joke I've ever heard. Matt, please cut it out. Just cut it I out. I like it. No, that's the, it's staying Patty O'Furniture. It. It's Keep great. It. But please, nobody else ever it. tell that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Why, why is it? Why is it sexist? Oh, it's about the girl you can take out in the sun. <laughs> it just sounds kind of sexist to me. <laughs> can take her out. Uh, I don't know. It's like kind of making fun of uh, Irish. Uh, Anyhow, all right. Moving on. <laughs> We're all moaning. Well, you know, part and of the whole problem is that. We're all just sharing jokes rather than news, I guess. I don't know. I think there's actually an interesting opportunity for comedians in the sense that there's so much out there. So in order to break through the noise, it can help to be funny. But I think it'd be cool to see, like, comedians pair up with journalists and do, like, real investigative journalism. But then they make it funny so that people will tune in. Like the Daily That's my plan. Show. No business idea. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, like, The Daily Show, <laughs> Samantha B. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Exactly, they were. They, they were. Yeah, it's certainly well, been done. They, yeah. We, that, yeah, I think that trend should continue into other areas. Like, um, yeah, that started for politics, and now people get their political news. Actually, aren't there studies that they get them more from comedians than, like... 
there were surveys uh, a while back, probably more at the height of The Daily Show's popularity when, uh, like, a lot of younger people were getting their news. Like, they wouldn't watch the news. They would just watch The Daily Show. So they would get the actual news, but they would enjoy uh, the I'm just thinking, well. can we get, like, some comments, some, like, comedians on, on like, CNN? <laughs> or, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, guys, but we're in uh, dark days. <laughs> Ellie, can you tell a joke? It's true. Now? I know we are. We are. Um, yeah. What is uh, green and goes ching ching? Oh man, do we want to know what? <laughs> Multiple Grass, choice. I lied about the ching ching. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love a good anti joke. That's an anti joke, and yeah. that's my favorite. Thank you. Well, guys, you Let's should share them. your favorite jokes with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Share how you're supporting. Share how you're supporting. Oh, is that racist? Oh God, I didn't think about it like that. <laughs> no, oh God, oh God, oh God. No, just, um, if, if you ask the world for jo- your favorite jokes, I think you're going to oh. get some uh, some delicate uh, topics. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. Let's hear how you're supporting real journalism. Go on, tell us, tell us. You tell can tweet us. me at Allie Gold or me at June Bugger J O O N Bugger. Um, hey, Jen, how'd you choose that Twitter handle? Oh, you know, I had this weird, like, alter ego. I actually had a personal blog for a while where I was, like, signing off June Bugger on the blog. I, it was a weird alter ego I developed oh, I, a few I kind of remember that, actually. Yeah, I don't know where it came from. Just, you know, inspiration. We um, got a lot to read on the show. Uh, Jen's diary. My personal blog. Blog. <laughs> <laughs> blog. One place you could tell us your jokes, guys, is via our voicemail. We do have a phone number that you can call. We would love to hear your favorite jokes, your worst jokes, jokes you write late at night when you have nothing else to do. Like, whatever. Any kind of joke, we want to hear it. And that number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And, y'all, we have a chat room. How internet-y of us. Um, you can find us on discord.gg slash 2G1P. We're in there. There's a vibrant community of listeners in there chatting with us about It's not show. searchable on the internet. You can only find it by uh, listening to this podcast and then going to that URL. That's right. So once again, discord.gg slash 2G1P. Other important information. You can contribute to our podcast. Uh, you can do that by going to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash 2G1P. Your little dollar bills, if you're enjoying this podcast, will help keep us going. So please go there. Did we tell them they could email us too? Oh no! If you're scared to call us, don't be scared. You can also email us your jokey jokes or how this podcast has affected you at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. That's right. 2G, it stands for two gigabytes in a podcast. <laughs> I'm a gigabyte. You're a gigabyte. You're a gigabyte. All right, we'll see you. I mean, we'll talk to you. We'll, whatever. We'll, we'll, next time. We'll Bye. see ya. <laughs> Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula and shuffled gently in a martini shaker. Oh, I mean, edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by thehotglomerate.com. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. Consider supporting this show on Patreon. Even one or two dollars per month helps to offset our production costs. Great news! You can listen to new episodes of Two Girls, One Podcast one week early. What is this sorcery? Just download the free TuneIn app and fire up Two Two Girls, Girls, One Podcast to get fresh episodes one week before your loser friends. (laughs) Your friends are so lame for being one week behind. I know, right? Wait, what's the catch? There's no catch. Tune in lets you listen to awesome podcasts. Like ours. One week before anywhere else. Absolutely free. Whoa, dude. The next episode of the show is probably already there. Yo, this is some freaky time traveling shit. I'm gonna listen to next week's show so I can find out what we're gonna say. Technology is weird. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Email me if you are interested or just want more info.